Welcome back to Tangential Banter. My name is Ben Mowell. I'm here with my co-host, Jack Korzanowski. Mm. <laughs> That's the way of greeting for this morning. Mm. 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 That it is. We're not actually going to use English today. We're just going to grunt back and forth and try to interpret what the other person means. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Ben, what's the, top, what's the first topic for today? Well, this is a really simple kind of meaningless topic we've had floating in the backlog for some time now. But that's the whole point of the podcast. It is. And that's why it's perfect. Yes. So we want to get back to some of our uh, our core strengths here, which is talking about things that don't really matter. Yep. That probably don't even make sense. No. And talk about them for a uh, unruly amount of time. Yes. Where any reasonable person would shut shut this off and go do something else. Yes. So props to you. Listeners for being unreasonable people. Yep. Who enjoy listening to these oddities. That's true. So today's topic is, at least the one we're going to start off with, is why are napkins usually rectangles? Or squares. Or squares. Yeah. Yeah. Squares, rectangles. Yeah. So, I mean, that's something that you never really stop to ponder usually. You just use a napkin. Unless you're one of us. Unless you're one of us. But, I mean, there's so many other good shapes out there that napkins could be made into. Mm-hmm. It could be circles or ovals or triangles or hexagons. And I, like, and people like... Rhombuses. Yeah, or like hexagons wouldn't be bad because the one thing I was thinking about uh, as to why they're square is just for packaging. Because yeah. you can... There's no empty space between, you know, rectangular prisms, as it were. Uh, you know, like they'll, they'll ship them in sure. columns of napkins and then yeah. you can just pack them side by side, you know, on top of each other. And there's no wasted space. If you have like circles, like if you have cylinders, like paper towel rolls, for example, you're going to lose some package space. So yeah. I can think of it that way. Um, but as a counterpoint to that, I mean, they already ship paper towel rolls today with that wasted space. So that's true. It's not that big of a deal. Which really are just napkins. They're just right. kind of bigger, tougher napkins. That's right. all paper and towel they, is. They're, they're uh, packaged as you mentioned, like their packaging formation is around a central axis. Yeah. Right. So they're, they're parallel to the central axis versus perpendicular. Like napkins are normally packaged. Yeah. 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 And you know, that brings up the, cause I was going to say, well, maybe it's just because normal napkins are kind of cheaper, uh, quantity versus quality. Like some paper towels are really nice, but then <clears throat> toilet paper is the same way. Because those are, you know, smaller, cheaper, a wide range of qualities, or a qu- yeah, quality. You never see paper towels, or uh, excuse me, toilet paper being sold in like how napkins are packaged. That's true. Uh, actually, I feel like maybe when I was in a foreign country, I saw some that were like, it was like a tissue thing, but it was probably more like a travel pack ah. sort of deal. But yeah, I have seen in a few instances... At restaurants where they had like napkins in a roll style, but I feel like those were just an off-brand paper towel sort of thing that they made work. Yeah, I think I'm not sure I've truly that. seen like a napkin texture or napkin um, material. Yeah, in a roll, huh? But so, so even I mean, so that's also a slightly different um, permutation of the conversation because. I was thinking about it in terms of like you're still stacking up all these individual things. They're not on a roll, mm-hmm. but you could make them round or triangles. Or yeah, and you could you could make them triangles without any wasted space. <clears throat> yeah, same way that you can make them squares without any wasted space. Yeah, they fit could. together like a square. <clears throat> and then also, <clears throat> like 
like I've seen napkins folded up like we do. Um, oh yeah, like triangles, right? Yeah, and those are like the cloth napkins, the really fancy ones, where they're that's obviously where packaging isn't a concern, cost isn't a concern. Right. So why aren't those? Why are those always square as well? Yeah, it's true. I think a circle would be a good shape for a napkin. Could be. Yeah, there's no sharp edges. That's right, and uh, like a lot of those edges, they have to reinforce. Like they're like the little tips of those napkins are always like. Oh, you're talking thicker. about the cloth ones? Yeah, the yeah, cloth yeah, yeah. ones are always a bit thicker. Yeah. It's kind of awkward because there's like this hard point on your napkin, four of them, and it's like, well, I don't yeah. need this. Yeah. It's and kind it, of aggressive. And it kind of renders them. Sometimes the corners of the napkins are nice. Like if you just want to like get in between something or, you know, just clean like a small spot of something, then the pointy corner yeah, helps. Yeah, yeah. But when it comes to those claw <clears throat> napkins and the corners are so strongly reinforced and bulbous, it kind of renders them useless right. to that regard. Yeah. So that can't be it. I think honestly, it probably it probably comes down to two things. There's probably manufacturing, like yeah. it's just easier. You can have a some sort of a roller or die sort of thing that's cutting out these squares really easily without any waste, and and then just the um, ongoing cultural norm of it, I guess that disposable napkins are square. So yeah, that's a good point. There's some like the market might reject something that's not fitting that expectation you gotta strike out against the status quo man but i think so I innovation mean, happens it, like so think about the different types of napkins that there are like they have all sorts of party napkins that have like glitter or some kind of foil on them or they've got a printed pattern or something foil on napkins that just seems yeah no i've i've had napkins at parties <clears throat> that were almost worthless for wiping anything up with like wiping your face or hands or whatever because they actually had it was like some sort of a gold leaf not real gold, but like it had been painted or something. So there was no absorbent material left on the napkin. It was Why like, would they do that? <laughs> just defeated the purpose of the napkin. <laughs> I mean, it looks nice. But it was but... still square. <clears throat> yeah. But so my point being, they have all these party napkins that are very fanciful in different ways, but mm -hmm. they're still square. Yeah. What if they just took that creativity to the shape? Yeah. And then, you know, you could make a napkin instead of painting it or printing it with Darth Vader's face. You could make a shape like Darth Vader's helmet or something. Yeah, that's yeah. If you want to do funky shapes like that, but we never see it. Or dinosaur napkins or whatever. Yeah, why don't we ever see that? I can understand the manufacturing thing, yeah. but still, because you're right, they do ridiculous things like render them useless anyway. Yeah, but that the the gold foil stuff. And they they obviously there's a market for that premium, um, fancified uh, napkin. So. They they wouldn't have to worry about the waste or the packaging or the, yeah you know all that stuff because they're already going to charge more for it. And I would think that the quirkiness of it is going to only like in in the shape is only going to add to it. Yeah, and especially the, now with like the uh, that kind of like rough modern look that people are going for. If you made napkins that were like some sort of like a burlap texture or yeah. or like a recycled cardboard sort of thing. Yeah, like I feel like that's something kind of classier that people would go for. Yeah, you know you could make like. Origami shapes or something. I don't know. Yeah, I do. I'm getting frustrated at this topic because it seems like they're just, they're not trying to break out and innovate the shape of the napkin. Maybe that's part of the problem is that napkin makers are just cranking out a commodity. They're not thinking about the opportunities in the marketplace. Although saying origami napkins to get me thinking, what if they made for for parties and such? If they made like pre-folded origami shapes that you could bring. 
And so they're like high quality napkins, but then you could like place one at each of your guests' Ooh. seats, and they'd have like a different animal or something. And then the only thing it'd be pretty classy. It would. The only thing I could think of is that origami is uh, <clears throat> dependent on like if you crease paper, it'll hold its shape. Like if you deform yeah, it and yeah. then you kind of you, you crease it and then it's bent. Yeah. You know, napkins wouldn't do that unless maybe if you made them out of like a thicker. But then if they made them out of a sort of paper stock, I can't imagine they do very feel very good in your you hand. Go to, yeah. Or you like go to blow your nose out. And it oh, just cuts your nose. You're yeah. Like bleeding. Oh, man. I've, I've tried folding some napkins before and you can be more or less successful. I think you'd have to use basic shapes. Yeah. But yeah, there's some opportunity there. Or maybe they could use regular napkin material, but then like spray starch it somehow and then it could be you oh. know so it would still break down if you were like yeah to crumple it up it wouldn't be the actual material itself i see what you're saying so i don't know so yeah origami shapes it's doable all right i think that the napkin industry can afford the r d required to look into that so if there's anybody in the napkin industry who's listening to the podcast you know get on that and by the way, if you do come up with something, you heard it from us. So uh, don't leave us out when you're making your millions of dollars on your patent. Yeah. Um, and the other thing too, kind of like trace back to the shape, is if it's just for packaging or manufacturing, I think a hexagon. Hexagon? Is that yeah. the six-sided? Yeah. Because that's one of the, the, those, I saw a number file video on this <clears> where <throat> you could, I think there's the triangle, the square, and the hexagon, which has, you know, six sides. Those are, it's like where you can tile them which means that you can just like take these shapes and put them around each other they yeah, fit together yeah. and then you can like it's just a pattern like a, a honeycomb right right is just a bunch of hexagons tiled together and you can do that for forever so they're they're uh packing packing density is the term right yeah in terms of how much you can fit in without any waste right so a hexagon's just as good as a triangle just as good as a square in that regard and by the way those are the only three shapes apparently where you can do that if you have, you obviously can't have a, a two-sided shape. That's a line, right? Yeah. Basically. It would be. Uh, you can actually have a three-dimensional object that has, well, if, assuming, uh, if you had, um, let me put it this way, you actually can have a two-sided object um, in three-dimensional space. Uh, have you ever heard of something called a Mobius loop? Yeah. You have. Yeah. So that is, if it's an, so if it exists, it's like a, it's an infinitely flat ribbon. Um, and it's just basically like a donut where the, um, but technically it doesn't, it's what, uh, okay. To physically make a Mobius strip, it's actually, it's got to have more than two sides. It's got to have like four. No, it doesn't. And I'll explain why it has, it, 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 in, so let me back up in, if we were able to have an infinitely thin Mobius ah, strip. So that's. No, yeah, hold on. I, I, know, I, know what, I know what you're saying. So let me, let, let me talk for, on this. For, for those who don't know what a Mobius strip is, it's essentially like a figure eight uh, like, uh, or like an infinity symbol. Yep. But where you, as it, as uh, it goes through the loop, the one side is twisted relative to the other. So the top and bottom become inverted. So there's really only one surface going all the way around. But it doesn't have to be a figure eight. Like you can just have it in a loop like this and then you just take the end and that, that wouldn't make it a figure eight. The way I like to think about it is you take a I've always seen it as you take like a cylinder and then you just remove the top and the bottom surfaces. So you have like this donut shaped ribbon where the, the width of the ribbon's up and down. It's not like they're pointing into the center. Uh, so you have this 
uh, cylindrical shape. And then what you do is you cut the wall vertically um, and then you just take the bottom edge and the top edge of one of the flaps and then you flip it around and then reconnect it. So there's this half twist in this cylinder, yep. kind of like what you were saying. And then this is a shape that if it has no thickness, if it's just width, it has it exists in three-dimensional space. Like you can pick it up and hold it in your hand, but it has one side and it has one edge. I'm not going to get into the description as to why that is. It's something that it helps if you visually see it. Maybe I'll connect, maybe I'll link the number file video on Mobius loops because it's actually really interesting. But what I was going to then say is if it doesn't have infinite or infinitely thin um, thickness, right? So it does have thickness to it, then it does have two sides because that one, the single edge, right? is now not infinitely thin, it has thickness, so that edge is now a side. So now you do have two sides. One of them, like if this is the strip, the cross section, you have this side right here. And guys, I, I'm just well, demonstrating this for Ben. I, I You guys yeah, can't yeah, totally yeah. follow on, but if this is the side of the strip, and this, were, this was the edge, the yeah, one edge, if this yeah. now has thickness, this is now a side, and you just traced along, sure. we had one edge before, so now we have one side. So now, then we have this side as well, the original side. So it is a three-dimensional piece that we can, like you and I can go make this like in a shop or something. It's not like the infinitely thin strip, which is impossible. Uh, but this thing now is a three-dimensional shape that has two sides. So you can actually have two-sided, a two-sided figure. But it, we're talking about a two-dimensional shape that has two sides, which, yeah, you're right, there is none. And for clarification, that shape only has two sides in the most technical sense mm -hmm. of what a side is, right? It's still very... Well, it's like... Saying, it exists in three-dimensional space, so you can turn it like... It's very curvy and... Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And so there, it's like you could be looking at... There could be a left side to it, so to speak, and a right side. Like you could be looking at it from all these different dimensions, and it's not technically a side. Well, it, it is. It's, it's like a it's a continuous surface where there's without right. any edge breaks. Right. It's like it's like asking the question: How many sides does a cylinder have? You have the top side, you have the bottom side. Everybody would agree to that. But when it comes to the actual wall, I wouldn't say that there. I would just say there's a top and a bottom. I wouldn't call those sides. Well, I mean, in the technical definition <clears throat> of what a side is, where there's there's an edge. Sure. There's like a discontinuity connecting it to another surface. It's a surface where there's a this there's a this is gonna sound weird a continuous discontinuity that completely borders it off from all other surfaces of the shape. Yeah, I don't know if that's the technical definition of an edge, but I think that's a good off off the cuff. And the definition. other the other thing about that uh, Mobius strip is that it only has two surfaces, but well, because the length is essentially infinite. Once you reconnect it, like there's not a start and a stop. It's a yeah. It that, has a it's a width essentially is what you end up with. Yeah. Well, it's like asking the question how how long is a circle? Yeah. You know, like right. or like you know, it, or where do circles begin? I mean, it's sort of like that question. So, what parameters would you have to have to describe a Mobius strip then? Parameters. What because a, a circle, you you can determine the length. In a sense, right? We would call it the circumference using oh, the diameter. Yeah. Right. With a Mobius strip, what do you have to define the size or orientation or any of that stuff? Uh, I, I we mean, have the width of the strip, right? That's one clear, obvious one. Is there some kind of a length? angular relationship or what? I, I don't think so because you have one. You just have the one half twist, 
and that half twist can be anywhere and it'll be the same. You know, there's another interesting number file video about topology because this sounds like a topology question. And topology, I Are you I've, saying typology or topology? Uh, like surface, the study of surfaces? Yeah. Okay. Topology, not okay. typology. Okay. Um, not T-Y, but T-O. Okay. I follow. Um, and I would think, yeah, you'd have maybe, well, the the width doesn't matter in topology, but for like, if you were to describe it like this, like compare these two circles, like you saw on a piece of paper and, you know, the only thing that's going to be different about them is the radius. Yeah. So if you had two Mobius loops, I think the only difference is going to be there. Well, let me rephrase that because a Mobius loop can't exist in, uh, two dimensions, or at least we're not thinking about the two dimensions. We're thinking it's, we're thinking that a two, a Mobius strip is a two dimensional surface because it only has, you can only walk on it at any given point, up or down or left or right. And it, you can't go, um, in and out of this because it has no thickness. So we're talking about like if the strip itself, if the inside of it, right, were a realm that you can live in, like a sphere is three dimensions inside. You can go so, up, down, left, right, back and forth. A rectangular prism, up, down, left, right, back and forth. But if you just have a rectangle, you can go uh, back and forth, left or right, but you can't go up or down because it has a thickness of zero. Yeah. So a Mobius strip's the same way, but this this strip, this 2D strip actually bends in three-dimensional. Right. You can't, you can't put this Mobius strip itself in two-dimensional space, even though at any given point it is two-dimensional so i feel like the the other parameter you could use to describe it is big and this would be assuming your mobius strip is made of uh uniform material but you could say the bend radius yeah because the the bend radius is going to be constant in all three dimensions i think when you say the bend radius you mean like the radius as if it were a circle or like where the bend sort of begins well i think i think half twist i should say i think if it's uniform material, the half twist gets distributed evenly around the yeah. shape. Mm -hmm. So there's both the what you could call the diameter mm -hmm. of the circle, yeah. and then the well, actually, if we said it was a circle instead of a figure eight, you'd have the diameter of the circle that describes the center line of the Mobius strip. Yep, and then you would have some angular oh some degrees per degree of I twist think, yeah I see but that if it's just a half twist yeah around a circle it's going to be constant for every mobius strip right say that again if you have a just a half twist if if every time you make a mobius strip you're taking a circle twisting it half or making a half twist and reconnecting it yeah it's going to have the same rate of twist per rotation on any mobius strip Yes, I think I see what you're saying. So that wouldn't be a factor to describe. But I think what you could say is like if you, you could have like the twist envelope. So you can have that twist. Like if this is the circle and here's like the you can have the, the twist like it's it's perfectly up and down walls until here and here. And then that's where the twist happens. Or you can have it where they start here and they start they morph really right. slowly but, around the diameter. I mean, with, is that what you're, is with that what my you're talking about? Yeah, but with my assumption of a of a uniform material, yeah, then I don't think you're gonna have. It should be uniformly distributed. The twist envelope, you'd have to like intentionally choose different materials or something. I think I see what you're saying. To have a different twist envelope, it sounds like an experiment we could do, perhaps.
So why don't they make napkins in, in Mobius in Mobius strips? They would never get dirty because there's always somewhere else you can travel. That's right. Napkin. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. Did we so just put it to a clean edge? Yep. So did we come up with an answer to why nap? So what you said earlier, I, I agree. It's it's got to be manufacturing because packaging you could all well. Then why don't they do triangular ones? Because literally, you all for a triangular napkin, you would just take the already pre-existing square and just mm -hmm. you could just slice it in, in half from corner to corner. That sounds like something Dwight Schrute would do. It's like when you get a grilled cheese sandwich and yes, it's cut diagonally. Exactly. Why don't we see more napkins like that? Your napkin should match your sandwich. Yeah. So that that, way there's no waste in your napkin. I agree, because you're literally just making one. Maybe just because you're making one extra cut, but then think about it. Let's say you're selling a package of napkins for a buck, uh, and it's just a square package, you know, a package of square napkins just stacked on top of each other. But then you can say, or we could slice them diagonally. So, so for we have a dollar ten. Or sell or sell each one of them for sixty cents or something. Yeah. And then you can make more money. And really, the only extra, the only thing is it's going to be a little bit, because the package of the two triangular columns as opposed to one square column is going to cost a bit more because you now have some more surface area you have to cover up. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, but like the actual shipping costs are going to be the same. The storage capacity is going to be more or less the same. So, yeah, I mean, I don't get it. Now, the hexagon shape, because, yeah, you could tile them infinitely. And you're but at the edges, you're still losing, right? What do you mean? When you have a hexagon, oh, at the edges of the of at the, the edges of your tile of this, yeah. yeah, the storage space. Yes, I agree with that, and I think it'd be more difficult to manufacture because, or wasteful to manufacture because, yeah, you could have this roll, but then you run into the same problem where at the edges of this roll, you're getting these little triangular bits that you, can, you have to just more or less throw away, or maybe you could package those as the triangular yeah. Yeah. napkins we're talking about. See, it all comes full circle, full ah, hexagon, full hexagon. So to answer the question, I don't know why they're only square. It seems like there's other practical options. Yeah, I agree. Sure, we can say it's manufacturing or packaging, but there are other solutions. So let this. the world just never say good. that other options were never proposed. We've yeah. put the challenge out there yeah. to napkin manufacturers. Maybe we should go talk to like some napkin companies and be like, hey, you have an idea. Tell us what you think. What if? Oh, now we can really get crazy. So we were talking about the... Um, we were talking about, uh, why can't I think of the folded shapes? Origami? Origami. We're talking about, <laughs> we're talking about origami the folded napkins. folded shapes. We're talking about origami napkins. We were talking about Mobius strips. What if they made napkins that were actually like three-dimensional? So let's say mm. a cube napkin, for example. Hmm. Again, this would probably be some more high-end like or party style thing, but then... Okay. It'd be like it's it would almost be like um having a sponge next yeah. to your next to your seat instead of a nap. <laughs> Maybe you just answered your own question why they don't do it. I don't know. It'd be interesting. So is it uh, is it like a but especially if it if it had wicking capability to yeah. like soak whatever you've wiped on it into the center. So then you could like it would look remain clean until it's maxed its capacity. Yeah, but then if you spill like a colored drink like pop or wine or beer or something, like none of that like it's gonna dye the outside and make it look ugly. And these would be difficult to be disposable because it'd be a lot of space, a lot of volume. Yeah. Um but the I mean like you know what? This 
Why aren't sponges available more often at places where you're eating? For like, you know, you spill a drink, you grab like a handful of a big wad of napkins. A sponge would come in very handy right there. Yeah. You can have like classy disposable sponges at the or table and what if specifically the, for spills. What if the servers just had like a sponge on a little retractable oh. like, thing? But why would they want to retract it back once it's wet? So they can go dispose of it. I guess, but then they're walking around with a, with a big sopping wet sponge on their hip. Yeah, you don't want that. <laughs> I like that nice feeling of some cold, damp, sponge. damp, dirty, bouncing pop and coffee. Like, yeah, mm, what could hip. be better? But the, okay, the, now, I'm on to the sponge thing. I'm not saying I'm going to rant on about it because I think I've said everything needs to be said. But sponges at restaurants and dining areas need to be more common. What do you think? They could yeah. Or they could make tabletops that are um, absorbent. Like, yeah. <gasps> or or they have like micro holes in them that allow the liquids to drain through. To oh, some sort of a... yeah. And then it's like just like a gutter or something. Yeah. Oh, Ben, you're so smart. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. Oh, dude. Just eliminate the the uh, liquid staying on a flat surface problem. Yes. Right? Man, this sounds like a good idea. Yeah. The problem is that doesn't resolve a child or maybe less than stellar skills adult spilling on themselves. They're still true, issue. but I mean that's their own problem at that point. It's true. Because their own clothes and stuff is gonna absorb it. So who cares at that point? You dug your own grave, as it were. Or you could have like gyroscopically balanced glasses. Or like, yeah, yeah. So or, that way like a slow drink. Yes. So you're saying is you effective. Have, you have these very, very fast spinning dead weights in in these things keeping them stable yeah so like you like physically could not take a fast drink (laughs) (laughs) it would probably cause more spills and they'd be very expensive excuse me guys i have to go recharge my glass (laughs) that'd be pretty sweet though honestly to have like a self-stabilizing glass i was just going to think like those little russian dolls that always pop up oh yeah like something like that now it wouldn't help maybe if the glass is really really full because then i think the 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 weight of the liquid up top would um would overcome the ability to just make the glass wider at the bottom than at the top oh that's true like the whole um i know what you're talking about where if you have like the radius of um the or the the what is it the 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 cent- so you, you make like the bottom of your glass like the surface of a sphere, right? And if you have the radius of that surface, or excuse me, the uh, what would be the point, like the center point of that sphere, if you have that higher than your center of gravity, then I think um, that is going to always be, no matter how much liquid you have in it, it's always going to be stabilized. Well, unless you, like, you, you take the glass and you tip it over manually, you can still do that, but. It wouldn't spill on its own. Yeah. Unless you really hit it hard. And then the momentum actually is enough to carry it over. I did. Yeah, I I think that's true. Assuming that might be ignoring any frictional effects of the liquid on the glass itself. Yeah, it was minimal though. Minimal, but not. Compared to the weight of the glass acting like a a lever arm once it's off center. No, that won't be a problem. I'm just trying to think if you had like a perfectly spherical... Dude, we should actually think on this because that'd actually be kind of cool. Do you have any way to craft one of these? I know someone who's a glass blower. Hmm. I'd like to try this out. Wait, how do you know a glass blower? Um, 
someone I went to high school with who's on my track team does glass blowing. Like as a hobby or as a job? No, as a job. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I get you out of... a couple of years ago. He does like pendants, medallions, and stuff. They're pretty sweet. Medallions out of glass? I don't know. I mean, that's what I would call. It. I guess technically medallions are probably made out of metal, right? Yeah. But yeah, pendants and little. Huh. That's actually kind of cool. Oh, figurine. jewelry stuff. Yeah. You know, I give I give you crap about knowing a glass blower guy, but in the I think uh, maybe not necessarily the Mobius Loop video I'm going to link. But the, so the Mobius, you should, you should look up the video and then just read the link to everyone on the podcast. <laughs> yes. Not even like HTTP yes. colon slash slash www. Um, but why one, he uses the guy who I'm going to link actually does a lot of glass blowing for like demonstration because he can make a lot of cool stuff with glass. Um, like these topological objects that you can then like see through and see all the different surfaces. And one of the things that he does is something called a Klein bottle. Have you ever heard of those? Uh, yeah, but remind me what it is. That is like the, so it, like the it literally means little it? bottle, but it's named after oh, a guy bottle, named yeah. Joseph okay. Klein, I think, okay. but they are the next dimension up version of a Mobius strip oh. where they, in essence, where a Mobius strip is a two dimensional surface that, bends in three-dimensional space in a way that sort of makes it weird and that it has one surface and one it has one side and one edge yeah. even though when you look at it, it looks like it has two edges and two sides but it actually yeah. only has one uh, of each a klein bottle is a well no i guess it's it's it, it is itself two dimension a two-dimensional surface but if you basically what it is it's like if you take and it's going to be hard to visualize it, it does look like they look like uh um, why can't I think of the word? Like a hourglass? Kind of like inverted into itself a little yeah. bit. Um, yeah. That description is not going to be, it's not painting the right picture for people who have no idea what it is. But I think then, because you've seen one before, it sounds like you have an idea. Yeah, I, I, that's a good way of describing it because I know you're thinking of the right definition of inversion in, <laughs> visually. But a Klein bottle is a three, it's a two-dimensional surface that is, um, it looks like a three-dimensional shape, just like a sphere could be a three-dimensional yeah. surface or a two-dimensional surface in three space if you, there's just literally nothing inside of it. Same sort of concept that um, also only has one side and no edges. Hmm. So I'm not going to go into any more because you does, need a visual aid. I'll link. I'll put a link in there in the uh, does video he for do that too. The um, what are the glass? objects called where you like drop put a prince rupert's drops yes prince yeah. rupert's drops those are pretty fascinating yeah have you seen videos of how much load they can take before breaking um yeah that's pretty crazy yeah there's a one that's maybe like smaller than the size of your fist i would say probably like maybe two as big as two inches in diameter like yeah. the, the bulb of the of the drop and have you ever heard of the hydraulic press channel no. Very funny. Video. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, guys finish. Sound, sounds yeah, really yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he loaded one up and I want to say, I mean, it was just glass. That's all it was, you know, yeah. that big, two, two inches in the diameter, like a ball like that. It withstood, I want to say, 57 metric tons. Wow. So it was 57,000 kilograms or wow. wrong pounds. Wrong pounds. Which is, a, that's probably on the order because a metric ton is about. 1.1 correct tons 
Yeah. So I think um, that's that's what it's going to be close to like sixty five ish thousand pounds. Are metric tons if they're not called metric tons? Is that T O N N E S? Or is that a different? I think dude? that's a good question. I want to say that they're the same thing, but don't um, quote me on that. There might be because I know in in the standard system there's long tons and short tons. There's this bit of a difference there. I think the U.S. only ever uses short tons, and a long ton is closer to a metric ton, sort of by coincidence, by the way it's defined. It's all defined by the correct, you know, system. Yeah. But um, it just happens to be. <coughs> Bless you. Excuse me. So we talked about the napkins. Oh, but Moby before, Sloops Klein bottles. Before we move on from the Prince Rupert drops, though. Yes. Um, I, I just wanted to describe for the listeners who maybe haven't seen those. So oh, it's, we could put a link in there in the description too. We could in the, in the video. A lot of videos. Https <laughs> colon, colon slash, slash slash. That's forward slash, mind you. <laughs> uh, but it's so basically you take um, some glass, and I'm not sure the process for for shaping it, but essentially you drop it in uh, chilled water, and the glass hardens really quickly in yep. this in this. Um, Teardrop shape, pretty much. Yeah, it's a teardrop shape with a really long tail on it. Yeah. A really long, narrow tail. It, it kind of looks like something that we all learned about in health class in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so this shape, the the fat end of it um, is hollow, right? Or solid? It always has like the, that little air bubble in it for yeah. some reason. So it's like a, it's basically a glob of glass that solidifies, hardens. And that portion of it, can take, as Jack was saying, incredible amounts of load on it. Yep. So, you know, applied weight. Yep. But the other end of it, the long, at the end of the long, narrow tail, it's, I mean, it's all glass, obviously, so it's brittle. But um, if you apply, for example, like a pair of pliers to that end of it. And you snip it, yeah. Yeah, you can fracture the tail end of it and the whole thing just explodes. Very violently explodes. Yeah, so it, it all comes from the... Um, the engineering principle of residual stress. Mm -hmm. So the process of uh, cooling the glass, quenching it very quickly, quenching it very quickly. Yeah. So the out, the outer edge hardens really, really quickly and contains the inner uh, material as it's still cooling. So the, the outer glass has fixed the shape and then the hotter glass on the inside is still trying to expand mm. as it's cooling because it's hotter than the outer glass. And so that I think it'd probably be more accurate because it's already hot. It's already expanded. What I think would be more accurate is saying that the outside is contracting and squeezing. Sure. Yeah. yeah that's probably as fair. It that's probably fair. Hardens, yeah. yeah. So it. Um, but anyway, so that the difference between the temperatures causes this um, constriction on the outside, which in turn creates a whole bunch of internal pressure, essentially, yep. of the glass against itself. Um, which is what enables it to take those extreme loads. Yep. But that also means that when it goes off, it has all this stored springy energy in it because it's yes. all it the the thing itself is under three dimensional tension. Yeah. And uh, so it's like if you have like a it's like snapping a guitar string or something where it has yeah it has uh, potential energy. Yeah. In it. So and the, the the tail and it has to do and like it's, there's really cool videos of it where they'll like snip the the tail and they have like you need to have incredibly fast cameras to watch it happen like that, hundreds of thousands of frames per second because yeah so like the the hydraulic press channel guy to go on a little bit of tangent about him he originally did a video i think of at like five thousand fps 
Yeah. And he and when it broke, the whole thing shattered in under a frame. Because yeah. in one frame, it was all there, and the other frame, the whole thing had shattered. And we're talking about where he will like the the this the fracture or the explosion will start on like the tail end and then travel through the tail mm -hmm. and then detonate the head or vice versa. I think it always happens that yeah, way. Because yeah. um, you can't there's not really a good way to detonate the head. No. Right? You need that all that mass and yeah. force. Um and then I what think, he did, what, hold on, I got it. I got What he did was there, there are these guys who have uh, these, they have 72 high speed cameras in a ring looking down on like a test stand. And each one of these cameras can go something like 100,000 frames per, uh, per second. So 100, so like 100 yeah. kilohertz. And what they do is they sync them. So what you're really getting is 72 frames per second more. Because what they'll uh, these so it's things, like seven point two million frames per second. So, uh, yeah, something like that. And yeah. If it's so, they're speed. they're all synced. So they're they're one seventy second of a hundred thousandth of a second off of each other. Yeah. Right? So like the first, so like each one of them is shooting at their max capacity, but they're all they're all right. offset yep. just yep. minorly so that and like because of that, when you watch the video. It's like bullet the, time for it, the Matrix. It is. And like for like to actually get the, the visual effect of the high speed capture it, you need the video needs to go around in a circle. Because that's how oh, they sure. which yeah, is yeah. still cool, but it's like you can't see it just sitting still. But when they did that, they were actually able to see a Prince Rupert drop and you see the explosion in a very reasonable manner uh, yeah. detonate through the head and it looks so cool. I think the Slow Mo Guys channel on YouTube also did one. Yeah. And they had uh, maybe two hundred thousand frames per second camera and i want to say they they were able to establish that it fractured from basically from stem to stern yeah in about a hundred one one hundred and twenty five thousandth of a second yeah something like that yeah so that's you need so basically if you have a camera that goes at 125 fps it will happen within one frame 125,000. 125,000 frames per second yeah. it would happen within yeah. one frame. So that was something that kind of blew my mind is you have this physical cracking phenomena yep. propagating at, I don't know what the actual... Um, Keep talking. I'm going to calculate this out. How long, how long do you think it would be? Maybe a foot and a half? A foot? The one that they broke? Uh, yeah, I'd say a, a foot's probably fair. That's a good approximation. Yeah. Oh, that'd be easy. So, uh, well, then that's 125,000 feet per second. So 125,000 feet per But second. I mean, it's visually, it's it's like as close to instantaneous as you can yep. replicate in like a garage. So that's 23 and a half miles per second. And if that is miles per second, uh, 1,420 miles per minute times another 60, 85,000 miles per hour. Sweet. That's a lot of miles. That's, that's a lot of miles. So that means if you had one, in theory, that stretched from Earth to the moon, yep. you could get to the moon in three hours. That crack would travel from the Earth to the moon in three hours, right? Not even three. Two and a half hours. No, how I thought the moon was like 250,000 miles away. It's 200, a little over 200, I think. 250,000, I should say. Yeah, okay. 200,000, yeah. Oh, okay. I thought, so, okay, yeah. Something nuts like that. It's crazy. Because, Science is fun. I mean, for for comparison, a space shuttle, like when they're leaving Earth's orbit, I think they were achieving like twenty three thousand miles an hour or something, mm. in on exit velocity. Ah, 
and so that, that's, that's like, one, like their that's like one third. Speed. No, yeah, about one third. That's nuts. So no, that's less than a third. What if we? What if we did that where we made a giant Prince Rupert drop and then put the astronauts on the front end of it? <laughs> that's <laughs> how crack propagation works. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna propel them into space. Nice. We just need to make put them like shrink them down onto a micro sled that can ride the front edge of that crack propagation. I don't, that's wave. not how crack propagation works. It's, it's going not a, to. It's not a physical object that's moving. I don't know. You know, it's like you have two wedges apart like this, and you just move them. Like the point where the wedges yeah, meet is yeah, moving yeah, really yeah. fast, but any any actual chunk of matter that you can think of is not is moving very slowly. So we were we were talking about that in in theoretical terms, like. Uh, I can't remember who I was talking with a few years ago, but like, uh, actually, I think it might have been my geometry teacher in high school. That's really going back. But talking about how like the physical speed limit of the universe is the speed of light, right? Mm -hmm. We were talking about if you could make a pair of scissors that was infinitely long, yeah, you could be moving them at just yeah. very slow, very slowly like, on the, a lever end. Even the tips aren't moving at the speed of light; they could be moving at, at very 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 slow speeds but yeah where that where they meet is moving faster than the speed of light right yeah well yeah sure and but even the tips if you if it was infinitely long the tips would be moving faster than the speed of light right? if it were infinitely long yeah. right which obviously you can't create but that well we there's could a, we could calculate how long it needs to be to move faster than the speed of light yeah, yeah you could but so it was just an interesting thought exercise that like yeah you have the if you if we had materials capable of it, we have the means to generate something that could travel faster than speed of light. No, because then you wouldn't be able to produce the energy to uh, get it to go that fast. Sure, you could you'd be pushing like infinitely hard, and you the, the tip wouldn't be uh, moving. Would at most be moving the speed of light as the well, if it goes. Was, if it was infinitely thin, like a Mobius strip, and had no mass. Well, no, because well, if it had no mass, sure, but then there's no mass actually moving at the speed of light. But I didn't say there was mass moving in the speed of light. Well, yeah, you said something. Yeah, a pair of scissors that are, have no mass. Then they're they're not existent. Then they it's exist in your brain, right? Yes, that's why it's theoretical. But then, why would you need to make them infinitely long? Couldn't you just imagine the pair of scissors flying faster than the speed of light in your head? <laughs> is your is your imagination that limited then, where you need to set up an experiment in your brain to make it happen? <laughs> our our uh, what's the uh, Hyper speed of light scissors. That's just yeah. a pair of scissors flying <laughs> through space, space. <laughs> for no reason. For no reason. I feel just like it could be a cartoon about just like this uh, pair of the adventures of hyper hyper speed of light scissor man. Hyper or light scissors. Hyper light scissors. Yes. If you are interested in hearing more about the adventures of hyper light scissors, please mail a UPC from a box of Cheerios along with a form containing your. Grandmother's maiden name mm. and several pebbles from your driveway to HTTPS <laughs> colon, colon slash slash forward slash mind you creedthoughts.gov backslash creedthoughts.gov <laughs> oh my gosh the creedthoughts uh, thing uh. so uh, before we wrap up this episode, can I introduce the tulip glass, or do you think that's going to take? Too no, long? I was actually going to because we've been talking about a lot of glass. We have. Like that, so. so, is the plan to talk about it next episode? No, I, let's just roll it in. Oh, roll it in. Okay, yeah. yeah, let's do it. 
So the the other question we've had percolating in the back of our minds is, what is the correct way to hold tulip glass? So again, if you're not familiar, tulip glass it looks like a wine glass, but it's thicker, larger. But so it has you know a cup portion of it that's semi-spherical, and then a, a long stem and a base. So there's this awkward. It's awkwardly large, first of all, and then yes. I'm going to add on to your description. A good approximation is imagine a wine glass with a very short stem. Sure. And there's, I mean, there's, there's variations of it. I mean, you can get giant goblet type things that people have margaritas in, or you can have the smaller ones like the real tool glass. But so it's a, Usually about like a softball size with yeah. a stem on it, yeah. I would say. Or at least the, uh, the, the, the bulbous part. Yeah. Is, yeah. But so there is inevitably this question of how do you hold it? Because the stem is kind of, like we said, it's kind of short. So it can be something where like you're basically holding it like a softball in the palm of your hand where the stem is projecting through some gap in your fingers. Yeah. And the base is on the backside of your hand and you're just kind of like palming it. Yeah. You can also uh, just grasp the... The sides like you would any other glass. The, yeah, hold the sides like you would any other glass. Or there's the like pinching the stem with pinky extended for the <laughs> maximum uh, high class experience. Yes. But it's so unstable. I feel like when you do that, it is. The stems, right. It really like some of them are like there's maybe so two thin. fingers with. Yeah, like or just one, and it's just like you can't really balance it very well with just two yeah. fingers. And there's usually enough mass in the top that it's very, very top heavy. Yeah, very yeah. top heavy when you're holding back the stem. Yeah, I under I there. I think that the best way to hold it because if you palm it, you look classier, but you're going to warm it up right quick. Yeah, and right. part of the reason of the stem is so that you're not you're um, not warming it up. Not transferring thermal energy from your hand to your beverage. On a wine glass, sure. But the yeah, stem yeah, yeah. is so impractically small and short on a tulip glass, tulip glass where that can't, isn't really an option. So your really only other options are to palm it or to hold like a normal glass. And I always hold it like a normal glass myself. What about you? Well, so holding it like a normal glass also still gives you that option to get the pinky out there. That's true. For your aristocratic touch. That's true. No, I, I think I normally palm it. It depends. Oh. If I'm standing, I'll palm it because then I can hold it lower more yes, comfortably. Yes, I can understand If I'm that. seated, then I hold it like a regular glass. Because if you wanted to palm it while you're seated, it's kind of awkward because you have to like... You have, you, to have your hand, you have to have your hand like like face. palm up and then you have to yeah, slot like the stem sh- into your fingers and then lift it up. And then you have to... And when if you're, you're holding, seated, it's almost like shoulder height. Yeah, so it's like you have right. to awkwardly hold your hand palm up while you're holding a glass. It feels very uncomfortable. You might as well have like one of those super long... Cigarette holders in the other hand, yes. like uh, like Audrey Deville? Hepburn or uh, Corella Deville or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's that's how I'm imagining someone holding a tube. Yeah, two glass glasses are very impractical, and they're smaller volume than a normal glass. And the beers that they always serve are like just as pricey. It's a cheap way to be like, excuse me, that, that's it's misleading. It is a smarmy way to say, hey, we can charge them more for beer, but make them feel fancier while they do it. Yeah, but I think if you Usually those are higher percentage ABV. So what? Give me the full glass, man. I think sometimes there are legal restrictions in terms of what they can serve. Like what constitutes so. a serving. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think that there is. Because I've had arrogant bastard out of like a normal glass, I'm pretty sure. Wow, that sounds racist. Arrogant bastard sounds oh, I racist? I thought you said Aryan bastard. No, arrogant. <laughs> like, wow. It's a red, it's yeah. a it's an amber ale that's... Who, who makes 12 it? ABV? Um... That's not Surly, is it? No, it's not Surly. Uh, I forget the. I forget the. Uh, 
I forget the brewing company. If I heard yeah. it, I would I would recognize. Well, it's it. like uh, Founders out of Michigan makes Dragon's Milk Stout. Oh, Founders Michigan. is Michigan. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, they and that's eleven and something percent. Nice. I think I've had Dragon Milk. Dragon definitely milk like scorches. It's you can tell there's arrogant bastard. You can't. It's like I mean, it's it. You like it's that's probably. a beer, but it's not. It's it's not like some other higher ABV drinks that are kind of lower end where it's like, yeah, it's higher proof, but you can tell if they just right. put more booze right, right, in it. Like, right. It's like, did they just pour rumming alcohol into like the normal <laughs> version? Is that what they did? Some, yeah, it's not like blended or smooth at all. Yeah, like, no. There's a bite. Yeah. So I, those are the three, the three hand holds, grips. I don't yeah, know what grips. That's a good way. Um, are there any others you can think of? Or not for our listeners, if, if you hold a tulip glass or... Similar glasses in a different fashion. Two handed. Two handed. <laughs> was that you had us talking to you about that the other day? What? When we wasn't it? Well, we were a group, and I had a I had, was holding a bottle with two hands. It was like, what if you always drank with this? Yeah, like, with your hands wrapped around it, fingers interlaced. And then I mentioned that guy, like some kid with their sippy cup. Yeah, and then I mentioned some guy who had always eaten apples with both his yeah, hands. Yeah, yeah, so he looks like right. a squirrel eating an acorn. Yeah, and he was like, I just never thought about doing it any differently, and I'm just like, how have you not in your life noticed other people eating apples with one hand? I guess there is another way you can hold a tulip glass. How? Now that I'm thinking about it, you could palm the base. I was actually kind of thinking about that at the beginning of the conversation. <laughs> I mean, that you got. That'd be super tough. I mean, too, but you might be able to grip it tight enough where you could drink out of it without spilling. Yeah, but that it that, would look super awkward. It poses the same and even more inconsist or uh, inconveniences as palming it. Because it's more or less the same grip, yeah. But you're just sure. holding a different part of the glass. But then it's like you have to physically, worse part of the glass. you have to lift it up with one hand, and then grab the base. So it requires, it's of, a two-handed that operation. That just got me think. Why don't we have glasses that are the opposite? So all of our glasses you hold from the bottom with the liquid, the majority of the liquid above your grip. Okay. What if you like take a tulip glass and invert it? So you have a little knob or something at the top. And then there's a container or a trough at the bottom whereby, like, you can hold it up above your head and then tip it. You know, maybe I'm, like a bird feeder or something. I'm not going to qualify that uh, <laughs> that question with an answer. Oh man, I want to make one now. I'm uh, thinking it's like uh, like bird drinkers in a barn sort of thing. They're suspended from the ceiling, and then there's like a little trough at the bottom where the liquid. Runs. Well, yeah, but that's so that it self feeds. Well, like when, when they're picking yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. out of it, and then it just drops, and it's like it's like a hopper. Yeah, yeah, that's why they're shaped like that. But if you want a glass to drink a beer out of at a restaurant, you don't want a hopper sort of thing going on. You it's don't want a hopper. It's gonna be too easy to spill. Plus, that's not how liquids work. Bird feeders, yes, because they're seeds and they're solid. No, but you can do it with liquids. I mean, they do. That's bird drinkers with water are the same way. But how do they not just spew the water, the sugar water? There's a there's a well, it's not sugar water. I'm talking just regular water. But there's a um, there's a float in there. Oh. So there's some water pressure coming down from a line on the ceiling. And then when the float gets low enough, it drops away from the uh, hose. Oh. And then the water runs around the float. I guess that's what you're And saying. then as it fills up the bottom, the float gets higher and higher and it shuts it back off. Okay. Oh, nice. it's, I mean, it basically works on the same principle as a toilet. Yeah. Nice. Cool idea. But anyway. Yeah. So I just, I'm just thinking... All you're doing is changing the. It's like a, like a, a big mug or beer horn. You know, has something off to the side. Yeah. It's just like, what if you made that grip on the top instead of on the side? Ben, that poses way too many problems. I mean, it's not ergonomic at all. No, it's, it's not. You have to hold your hand above your head just to take a sip. Yeah, I think that's kind of cool. And then, it's like drinking out of a ladle, right? 
Yeah, it would be just like it, drinking that's what I'm ladle. picturing is like yeah. drinking out of a ladle, which is inconvenient. It is, but it's curious because if you want if you want to if you want to establish like this the ultimate um, Pompey impractical glass, yeah, like crunchy slash uh, what's the other? Uh, why can't I think of the other term? Hipster. Oh, crunchy, crunchy. You ever heard of crunchy? Not heard of. Crunchy. I was introduced to it uh, about a year ago, but it's like crunchy as in. Um, so people who are, it's basically hipster, but okay. kind of like the modern, um, super environmentally friendly, diet conscious, like fancy person. Crunchy, never yeah. heard of that. Anyway. It's kind of, I think it's kind of similar to the... Uh, the hipster guy who makes all those videos? On no, no, no. Like granola, sort of. Okay. Like fruits and nuts sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. I gotcha. Anyway, so if you wanted to have, like, establish yourself as some sort of a, like, for that type of crowd where it's like, ooh, it's different. That yes. must make it good. Did I you could have glasses that are shaped like ladles. I ranked it on about the lawn boy, uh, the lawn, or was it lawn boy? Yeah, lawn boy, a lawnmower design. Yeah. How that, they were like, oh, we need to make it different to yeah. stand out. But they made it different in all the ways that made it worse. Yeah. Okay, that should be another topic too, because I can rant on about that for a long yeah. time. Change for its own sake is necessarily good. Yes. That that should be a topic. Change for change's sake is not good. Yeah. Okay, but to uh, we're already near, we're nearing fifty-five minutes. So two to answer the two question one, I hold it like a normal glass. Maybe I'll palm it, but normally I'll hold it like a normal glass. All the while griping, why is this beer so expensive? Yeah. And why they give me so little of it. I guess those are really the same like two questions, like two sides of the same coin, but and then for you, you said you palm it normally? Uh, yeah, I think it's dependent on if I'm sitting or standing. Okay. But palming while standing, hold it like a normal glass if seated. Gotcha. Usually. All right. So that's where we ended up today. Wow, this went way longer than I thought it would. And we spent a lot of time on the napkin topic. Yeah, a lot more than I expected. And it also had some really intriguing twists and turns of uh, get ta it. tangents. Get it? Because we were talking about like the Mobius strip, which has twists in oh. it. Ah! I can't forget. I'll, I I gotta make sure I put those links in the uh, in the post. Let me share it. Okay. Yep. Sounds like a plan. And if not, you can always go to http <laughs> colon slash slash forward slash mind you www dot www dot creedthoughts dot com backslash creedthoughts dot gov. Is that what it is? Creedthoughts.gov backslash creedthoughts. But it's just a Word document. <laughs> just a Word computer. document with the with the fake address on top. Oh, gosh, it's so good. And then Ryan's like, I've seen a lot of things, and even the Internet's not ready That's for this. Right. Even for the Internet, there's some pretty shocking stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thanks again for joining us today. We hope you've uh, enjoyed this period of time, and we look forward to talking with you again. Catch you later.